Well, speaking of prayer, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And so I'm going to invite you to take your Bible. And this is a little smaller version than the one I had last night. Uh, And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And hopefully this is going to be a relevant and helpful uh, conversation for you. Because um, what we're in for these next few weeks are a section of teachings and reflections of Jesus that all you can say is are wise. And so we're looking at the wisdom of Jesus with respect to a number of topics. And today we're particularly looking at the wisdom of Jesus regarding prayer. And of course, when you think about prayer, I know a number of things come to your mind. And uh, maybe, you know, the things I ask of God comes to mind. Maybe you think about the times that you spend in uh, praising him or thanking him. Uh, Some of us spend a little time in confession where we confess our sins to him, those kinds of things. What does Jesus have to say about all that? Matthew 7, we're going to get into that in just a minute. Uh, One of the more enjoyable movies to me in recent days uh, was The Blind Side. Did some of you see that? Anybody? Yeah, almost everybody in the house. Uh, If we haven't had a chance to talk about it, it is set in Memphis, Tennessee. And so it had a special tug on my heart to see uh, some of that transpire there. True story about uh, an African-American kid who grew up in the projects by the name of Michael Orr, who uh, was adopted by a rather wealthy, white, uh, suburban family. Uh, The family's name is Tui. And um, they helped the, the kid get through high school and get a college education. He just happened to be a really fine football player. And now he's playing professionally for the Baltimore Ravens. And so I think most of you know that story. I'm not going to rehash it all. But there's a, there's a scene in the movie uh, that I just love, and I, I can't get it out of my head. It replays in my head often. And it's a scene where Sandra Bullock's playing the character of Leanne Tui. And she's at a restaurant, a really fine restaurant with all of her girlfriends. And they're having conversation. And, you know, it's as women will do. It's chatter that gets kind of real loud and all this kind of stuff. And uh, in the middle of that, one of uh, the ladies says to Leanne, uh, talking about Michael Orr and them having adopted this big black kid, you are changing that boy's life. And the reply, just real quickly, is, no, he's changing our life. And I love that uh, perception that, that that family, the Tui family, was able to get it. That this isn't just about what we can do for this kid. This kid's doing a whole lot for us. He's changing our lives. And I, I think that's the way it so often is for us. We roll up our sleeves and we want to serve and we want to make a difference. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier today with the, um, the cleaning teams that happen around here. You know, we think we're going to do some kind of service and we're going to sacrifice something and we end up getting blessed. It ends up having an un- unintended outcome that exceeds our expectation. Uh, you guys that are educators, you know what I'm talking about, that every time you prepare some kind of lesson plan or a talk or a lecture or whatever, you get way more out of it, usually, than those to whom you're delivering it. So those unintended outcomes are what I want us to think about with prayer. 
Because we will typically think about prayer as, well, I need something from God. I'm going to ask God for this. And so prayer is about getting something. Or I need to confess something to God. And so it's about getting rid of something. Guilt, shame, burden. Or I want to praise and honor and thank Him. And so it's about some kind of worship experience. And it is those things when we pray. But so often there are unintended, unintended by us, outcomes that far exceed what we were thinking that prayer was about. And, uh, and this really is what God is all about. And so I want to spend a few minutes talking about that today. Why? Why do we pray? You go, well, frankly, I don't pray very much. Okay. When you do pray, why? So I really want you to fill in that blank because God is going to give you something else to think about and to consider along those lines. Let's see what Jesus had to say about it in Matthew chapter 7. And we begin at verse 7. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts? What's up when you pray? What's up when I pray? What's God doing when we pray? Let's consider some of the wisdom that Jesus is handing off to us in these verses about prayer. And the first is this. God invites us to pray. Jesus says, ask. Seek. Knock. Prayer is his idea. Prayer is not my idea. It's not your idea. It's not all of a sudden I realize about uh, some need in my life and I think I'll turn to God about that. The scriptures make it clear that anytime you have some thought about God, anytime you have some stirring to pray, that's God breathed. That's God initiated. The Bible makes it clear that you and I are so depraved. So busted that we don't even have these good inclinations to turn to God, to think about God, to talk to God, to pray and ask things of God. So anytime that gets stirred in us in any kind of way, that is a God thing. He's at work in us in that way. And so, frankly, friends, when you feel a stirring and you think, you know, I ought to pray about that. And then you choose not to. You're actually suppressing the moving and the activity of God that's going on in and around you. So 
here's one word to the wise. Anytime you have a thought about prayer or a stirring about prayer, do it. Because that came from God. I promise you, our enemy is not stirring you to pray. And we're too depraved to think to pray. And so that's something he's doing within us. Now, we don't even know a lot of the times why he's stirring us to pray. We just do well to pray when we do. You know, maybe we think, well, he's wanting me to turn to him about a certain need. Well, sometimes it's that obvious. Sometimes it's not. I I can recall because uh, it was just two months ago that I had the opportunity to go speak uh, in the church that I used to serve in Kentucky. I was at a conference uh, about three hours away, and they invited me to come over uh, on the Sunday to speak. And I had the the pleasure to go back and, and be with some friends I hadn't been with for a long time. And so uh, after I got through preaching at that church and I was uh, near the doorway and I was greeting everybody as they were leaving and uh, reminiscing with some about this, that and the other. This uh, one guy had lingered until the place had kind of cleared out. And he came up to me and he gave me this warm handshake and, and a little embrace. And he said, I'll never forget the day you came to see me. Now, that's a little cryptic. I mean, how many times would I have seen this guy across the five years that I served in that church? But I knew exactly what he meant. And I said, I am forever grateful that I came to see you. And you know, you remember, God stirred me to come see you. Here's the short of it. I was minding my own business one afternoon in my office doing some work. And in the middle of all that, I began to have this sense in prayer that God was saying, I want you to pray for this friend of mine. And so I began to pray for him. I didn't even know what about. And I just brought him to my mind and I was praying for him and his family and his children, so on like that. And then as I'm praying for him, it seemed like God was saying, I want you to go see him now. And it was getting on toward dinner time, you know, the end of the day, time for me to go home. And um, I thought, like, now? I mean, I could see him later in the week, and it was just really a clear kind of conviction. No, not later in the week. Go see him now. And so I began to walk out of our building, and when I was walking down the hall, we had an activities building, gym, all that kind of stuff. And as I was walking past that, I saw down in the, at the front desk where you check people in, the volunteer for that night was his wife. And then I remembered the schedule, and I'm like, oh, yeah, she's here, and the kids are here. He's home alone, and you want me to go see him now? And so I get in the car. I drive out to, to see this guy and uh, knock on his door unannounced. And he opens the door, and I said, hey, man, how's it going? And he said, you know, it's going okay. I said, well, I, I was just wondering if you had a couple minutes. I just wanted to say hi and check on you a little bit. And he invited me in. And uh, we sat down, and I just said, you know, It's probably seeming a little bit weird to you, but I was praying for you this afternoon. I just felt like God impressed me to come by and say, hi, how are you? You doing okay? Big, pregnant pause. And then in real low, emotion-filled tones, he said, I don't know what to tell you. All I know is that I can't get my gun that's in that closet out of my head. I said, what what are you talking about? Long story short, 
he had been having some very strong suicidal feelings and thoughts. And uh, come to find out as we explored it and so on, and he had had a number of back issues and pain issues and things like that, and he had just gone through a change in medication. I said, man, you've got to see your doctor. You've got to go see and find out if you've got some kind of side effect thing happening. And sure enough, he did. That medication was absolutely depressing him and taking him down a tunnel that he didn't even know he was going down into. He just knew he was about to do something that he would have forever have regretted and everyone that knew him and loved him would have as well. And so two months ago, I see him at the door as he's leaving and he says, I'll never forget the day you came to see me. Friends, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know all the things that God is up to when He stirs us to pray. We know a thimble's worth. And the word of the wise is, lean into the stirrings of God and the, the tugging of God on your heart and pray. And then pray about your prayer and then pray about the prayer you prayed about. Allowing Him to continue to unfold and to lead and to guide you into whatever He's about. God, secondly, answers prayer because he's good. See, when you start to pray about something and you're wondering, you know, will he answer this or not? Because all of a sudden you're flooded with all these thoughts and all these memories of stuff you've done that should disqualify you from God answering your prayer. Right? Uh, and some of it is to the point of shame and guilt and, and feeling very oppressive to you. And so a lot of times you won't even pray, right? You get a little stir in your prayer and you go, I couldn't even pray because my life is just so, so bad. It's not up to your life and how so, so good or bad it is. It's up to him. He will answer prayer because he's good. Not because you are or, or are not. So he, you know, gives this little picture of, uh, you know, how earthly parents are. Our parents want to bless their kids. And if your kid asks for some bread, you know, in those days, a little round loaf, you know, you're not going to give him a rock, a little round thing that looks like bread and fakes him out. You're not going to do that. If he asks you for a fish, you're not going to give him one of these little eels that kind of looks like a fish but tastes like bleh. You know, you're, you're good parents, but guess what? God is far better than you are. He's more good than you are. And He will do good things. He will bless. He will answer prayers because of who He is. Listen, I, I, could go, I could spend the next hour giving you a testimony just out of my own life about how God has given me a car. He's given me financial supply when I need that. He's healed me when I've been sick. He's comforted my hurts and my pain and, and on and on I could go. Story after story. Not because I'm so great, but because he's so good. And then the third thing that I think you want to see uh, that Jesus is sharing with us from his wisdom is this. He's not just teaching us to pray. He's not just calling us and inviting us to pray. But he's calling us to do so in a certain way. And that's with persistence. Now, interesting in the Greek language, when you begin to unpack the verbs that are in the, in the passage. When he says, ask, and it shall be given to you. The verb tense actually is like this. Keep on asking. 
and he will give. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be open to you. And so he's teaching us that when you pray, you pray with persistence. You keep on keeping on until God moves in some kind of way. Now, I don't know about you, but there are passages every now and then that I look at. And when I look at them, I go, why? You ever, you ever ask that question? Okay, so you're inviting me to pray. You're good and you tell me you want to answer my prayer. But you want me to persist in praying and pray over and over and ask again and seek again and knock again. You know, what's with that? Why don't you just... I ask, boom, you do. Sounds good to me. (laughs) And because he invites us to pray and he says, I'm good and I want to answer your prayer. Then, friend, the answer to that question cannot lie with God. Persistence is not about changing God's mind or trying to wear him down until, okay, Scott's not going to quit praying until I give him this. It has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with us. Because persistence does something to us. It changes us. It transforms us. It makes us something that we currently or not. And you go, well, what would that be? Well, the Bible refers to that kind of person, that kind of Christ follower that God's looking to build as an overcomer, as a conqueror, as someone who will co-rule and co-reign with him someday in the life that is to come. Now, I'll take you down a couple of passages um, just to talk about that for a moment. Because when we pray here, and this is the part that I wanted to get to at the outset, the for us, unintended outcome is that we're not just getting a prayer answered, we're getting a life changed. That's the, for us, the unintended outcome. Now, this is what God's about all the time. In fact, I, I would dare say... For God, prayer is not primarily about getting things or getting things done. It is not primarily about that, although it is about that in a big way. It is primarily about how it changes your life to pray. So that you become this kind of man of God or this kind of woman of God that the Bible refers to as an overcomer or a conqueror or someone that he is making fit to be the bride of the, the Son of God who will co-rule and co-reign with him forever. Matthew nineteen twenty eight. Jesus continuing to do life with his disciples and, and walk down the road and unpack eternal truths with them. And they're like, is this really going to be worth it? And he says, let me tell you how worth it is going to be. Truly, I say to you, in the new world, in the new age that is to come, in the new day that will sometime be after this life is over, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
So he's telling those disciples, hang in there because something is happening in you so that you will co-rule and co-reign with me someday. Now, he's saying that to the twelve, but he goes on to say in the book of Revelation and Paul in his writings and especially in the correspondence to the Corinthians, this is about you and me as well. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.2 to the believers in that church in Corinth, Greece, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? See, once this life is over and we stand before him and he separates sheep from goats and you're in the sheep category because you've been a faith follower of Christ, then you begin to rule and to reign and to judge with him. It says it like this in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 26. To the one who conquers, some versions say to the overcomer, and the one who keeps my works until the end, who is faithful in obedience and obedience in following me, to him I will give authority over the nations, over the peoples of this creation. So when you begin to understand prayer from this vantage point, friends, then you begin to see it's not primarily about you getting an answer to some request. It's primarily about God putting us in on the job training so that through the exercise of faith-filled praying, we are changed. We are transformed. We are made into overcomers and conquerors who will co-rule and co-reign with Him someday. That's why God chooses not to do a lot of things in this world unless we pray. Because He has purposed not to go around His church to accomplish His purposes, but rather to go with His church to accomplish his purposes. And as he goes with his church to do that, he's changing and transforming us in that journey. He would abort his plan of of transformation in us if he went around us and just did things for his kingdom's purposes. He seeks to get us on his page so that we literally pray into being his will. That's why John Wesley said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. So really, the question before the house today is this. Do you want to be the man of God? The woman of God? That God calls for us to be. If you want to become the person God dreams you to be, then you will pray. And every time he stirs, every time there's this little prompting in you, I ought to pray about that, then train your heart to obey, to be responsive every time. You know, you don't have to Close your eyes and fold your hands. I mean, it may happen while you're driving down the road, so please don't. Just be responsive.
So uh, maybe, uh, you're, maybe you are driving down the road. Maybe you are, are walking down a hallway. Maybe you pass by a cubicle and you just get this sense. You know, this guy's got this problem going on. She's in a state of anguish right now. I just overheard somebody talk about some problematic thing at home. And you're stirred to pray. Well, pray. You say, well, I don't even know what to pray. He'll guide you in that. And if, if there's no real clarity about it, then you say, God, I don't even know what the situation is about. Would you bless? And you may never... I mean, overwhelmingly, never know the outcome to all those prayers. But as far as we're concerned, the unintended outcome is that it changes us so that we become His agent for His kingdom purposes in this world. Now, we are called to pray, God's kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray that, right? So one of our regular prayers needs to be, Oh God, whatever your kingdom is going to be about, would you, would you come? Would you bring it on? Your preeminence, your prominence, your position, your plans, your purposes in this world. And that throws you right in the heat of spiritual warfare to pray just a simple prayer like that because there is an enemy in this world and an enemy to our soul whose uh, purpose of existence is to thwart the plans and the purposes of God. But the scriptures tell us he's already a defeated foe. There are just still some of these skirmishes on the outskirts that we're still uh, quenching the flames of through the work of prayer. And so as we engage in that kind of warfare... God makes us into something that we currently are not. He, he calls us to pray for the harvest out of his field. Now, that little metaphor means there's a lot of men and a lot of women and a lot of young people out there that I am calling to a saving relationship with myself. They are like wheat to be harvested, souls to be harvested. I want you to go work my field. And I also want you to pray for the harvest of those souls into my kingdom. So, friends, a lot of the salvations, a lot of the regenerations that happen with people will happen because God is moving on their hearts in response to your prayer. You go, what about their free will? We're talking about this miraculous kind of economy where our praying and God's moving does not violate their free will. But the activity of God in response to our prayers is such around them that their hearts become inclined to say yes, become activated to say yes. Now, do a lot of people say no? Absolutely. But the people that have the opportunity to say yes have had that spirit stirring and activating their heart to be able to say yes in response to your prayers. He says, pray for one another. We are to pray, like I was praying for my friend that day in my office, and one thing led to another, and it became literally a life-saving experience for us. You know what's going on in each other's lives. Some of you are in share group together, and you're, you're sharing every week kind of what's going on in each other. I mean, bear that burden day by day. Every time God brings so-and-so to your mind and, and such-and-such a circumstance to your heart, Pray. Be a praying, responsive person throughout the day, every day. 
He says, pray for the sick. He says, uh, I'm inviting you. You see some kind of malady happening in a person's life? Pray for them. Now, that means sometimes you pray for their healing. Sometimes you pray for, their, for the grace of God in their suffering because God's not going to heal them. You go, well, how do I know when it's going to be one way or the other? You ask Him. So, friends, a lot of the times before we start praying for the sick, we say, oh, so, God, how do you want me to pray for this person? And you go, well, that's not always clear to me. It's not always clear to me either. And so sometimes I pray things that I'm not exactly sure that's how you want me to pray, but, Lord, you know my heart, so you just help me there. And he does. And he tells us to pray for the government. Yeah, yeah, I'm praying for that government. Redemptively. Now, leading to the final piece, we pray for our enemies. He calls us to pray for our enemies. And what's so remarkable is that, you know, when we're praying for our enemies, God's giving us grace for our enemies and he's giving us patience toward our enemies and resolve and strength for it. Sometimes God does transforming things in our enemies and our enemies become our friends. And it's remarkable. You go, okay, okay, I've been hearing all this, but I cannot get the beat out of my head of what about unanswered prayer? Because I feel like I have a whole lot of unanswered prayer. What about that? Well, uh, some of what you might classify as unanswered may be delayed answer. May be answered according to a timetable that we are not privy to. And God's going to do something at a certain point. It's just not as quickly as we'd like to see it happen, right? But let me, let me get more into this categorization that we would say unanswered prayer because sometimes what may be up to what seems to us to be unanswered prayer is that God is maturing us in prayer. Uh, He is very pleased to respond to childlike praying. He does it all the time. All of us begin there. All of us are childlike in our prayers at some point. The issue is that we can't stay there. The issue is that we must grow and we must mature in our praying, in our discerning, in our communication, in our listening, in our hearing from God. And so sometimes what God's up to in the whole prayer exchange and the whole prayer experience is trying to train and mature us in this communication thing with him. We're looking for the answer. And he's like, hey, I'm way more about something than just an answer here. And so we want to lean into that and learn and grow and develop and mature. Uh, Sometimes he's about some kind of magnification for himself. Because as we've been talking about here often, the glory of God is essential for this world. Not just because he deserves it, which he does, but because we need it. 
Our hearts are so depraved. Our hearts are so dark. We are so busted. We have no inclination for God unless His glory somehow becomes apparent to us and we are activated and awakened and drawn toward Him. We need His glory. His glory is some uh, uh, aspect of revelation and manifestation and, and disclosing of Himself in our midst. And so sometimes our praying, and it looks like something's not being answered and there's this long delay or whatever, is about magnifying him to other people. The classic case in point is Hebrews 11. You've got these great men of God, great women of God, who knew how to hear God, talk to God, pray the things of God into this world. And yet there were a lot of things they prayed about, a lot of promises that they were standing on and claiming that did not happen in their lifetime. They died before they saw the answers to those prayers. Are you following me? But we are inspired by them. We are taught and instructed by their example Because even when they didn't have the answer in the moment, they still esteemed God good and right and holy and worth the the allegiance of their entire lives. And so when, when you see somebody continue to give the allegiance of their lives to God when they're not getting every little thing answered like that, then you know there's something more there. And it magnifies God. It glorifies God. For us to trust him like that. But then I'll say in the third place, sometimes what God's up to when it looks like a prayer's not being answered is he's, he's doing a makeover of our lives. So we are microwavable people, right? Punch the button, and in a minute you got what you wanted. How do you become. A persevering people? How do you become a long-suffering people? How do you become a patient people? How do you become a people who overcome, who are conquerors? But a lot of the time, he's, he's absolutely doing a makeover with us. All right. That brings us to what are you going to do about what we've just said? I mean, while I have been talking, God has been communicating with you. Might not even have been any words that came out of my mouth. It may have just been thoughts that occurred in your mind. And he's been communicating with some of you to say, you know what? You don't really know me. You don't really have a relationship with me. You try to be moral and good and you, you know, do some of the church stuff and whatever. But I am knocking on the door of your heart Asking if you'll invite me in to be your Lord and to guide your life. And so my question to you, friend, is this. Will you repent and stop going life your way? Just kind of having a little religion compartment to your life. Will you stop that? And will you begin to go with him in a wholehearted, full life allegiance He's Lord and boss, I'm not, kind of way. That connection card that we referenced earlier today is a way that you can make a decision. On the back side of it, it says, I want to have a relationship with Christ. 
If, if God's stirring you about that right now, I'd say, friend, check that. Let me pray for you about that. If you want to have a conversation with me about that, let me do that with you. But for the rest of us, if you've settled the Lordship of Christ issue in your life and you have a personal relationship with Him, then will you pray? Will you cooperate with God's plan to accomplish His purposes through your praying as well as to develop your life through your praying? I mean, where you become a prayer saturated, pray throughout the day, every day, kind of person. You don't drift into that. You have to make a choice that is covered in the grace and the power of God to lean into that. Let's pray together. Father, we're here by your appointment today. You knew who would be here. You stirred. You've been prompting and pricking hearts all through this talk. And I pray that now that we are at this response time, your kingdom come, your will be done in us as it is in heaven. Save us. Redeem and remake us into Christ-like men, Christ-like women of God. And we pray in the name above all names. Amen.